Good morning, First Baptist Church. What a joy it is to see you here today. We stand and we sing. We're marching to Zion. Come we that love the Lord. Lift your voice together today. You may be seated. 
Good morning, church, and welcome to worship on this beautiful Sunday morning where we get to come to the house of the Lord and just praise his name through song and through word that we've spoken and preached today. If you were a visitor or a guest here today, we'd ask that you take the blue communication card that's located in your worship guide. And at the end of the service, you'll have an opportunity to um, pass it in, um, fill that out, put any prayer requests or anything like that so we can follow up with you and just to get to know you a little bit better. But we are glad to be in the house of the Lord today. This past week, I had the opportunity to take our children to children's camp. And what an awesome time it was. And I know our students, um, some of them were able to go to LaBasic this past week and just to praise God and to share his word with a world that needs to know more about Jesus and to have an encounter with Christ. And I pray that today as we worship the Lord, that we would encounter him in a real and fresh new way this morning through his song. And then as um, Dr. Philip Caples comes in a little while to preach, um, he will be preaching for us today as Stuart and Rebecca and the Holloways are um, traveling for vacation. And we just pray that they would have a great trip and that um, they would be refreshed and renewed as they come back to serve the Lord um, here in Pineville. So join me as we pray this morning. Oh God, thank you for the opportunity that we have to come and worship you this morning May we lift our voice in song this morning and give you glory and praise for all that you've done in our hearts and our lives, Lord God. Lord, may we be um, on mission for you, Lord God, as we leave today, as we will be challenged with the word. May we leave on mission to share the gospel with those that need to hear about you, Father. Help us to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit working in our hearts and our lives, to those that we may encounter this week that need to hear from you, Father. Lord, we thank you for Stuart and Rebecca and their boys. We pray that they would just have a great week um, and enjoying time with family and a time away, Lord God. May they, you renew them and refresh them and help them to have a great time. And Lord, bring them back safely. God, use Brother Dr. Philip Caples today to speak the word to us. May we leave here changed. May we be obedient to what you've called us to do, Father. May we worship you now in song. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The Bible says that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. May we do that today, even now as we sing. Our choir begins as we sing the power of the cross, I want you to join us as we sing on the third verse of that song. Then we'll go into holy, 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 and in Christ alone. Just let the Lord fill your heart and sing to him today. Amen? He is our audience, and we respond to what he's done in our life today. The power of the cross. Amen.
Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my heart, my strength, my song. His cornerstone is solid ground. Learn through the fiercest drought and storm. My heart's
Father, let us pray. Father, we thank you for allowing us to be here in your house. And we thank you for allowing us to listen to the message this morning. We ask that you look over all these people that are not here today for whatever reason. As the message is brought to us today, help, help us to use that message to be part of our daily lives. Father, we believe the Bible and what it tells us about giving. Today, as we bring our offerings, bless the offerings, and may it be used to help other people become part of the, our life in Jesus Christ. Amen.
Well, amen. They did a great job. As I sat this morning and listened, my heart was stirred and moved about so many memories in my own heart of how the Lord has moved and stirred and, and spoken to me through many of the songs. Brother Kevin, you wouldn't have known this, but In Christ Alone is my grandson's favorite song. And to I just can't hardly sing that song without tearing up about him because he'll just, if you have him in the pickup with you, he may get off tune, but he knows the words. And I mean, he will just be worshiping, driving down the road with you. And then an old college buddy, uh, the second song you sing, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. We used to stand in Blue Mountain College beside each other in chapel and sing that song. And so... Thank you, Brother Kevin. Uh, I I really am grateful for the opportunity to stand and proclaim the word today in the absence of our pastor. I love Brother Stewart. I appreciate him, and I thank him very, very much for this opportunity. I would like to invite you to take a copy of God's word and turn to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. And as you find your place in Acts chapter 3... I would like to share something that the Lord used in my heart many years ago that really touched me as we think about making a difference for Jesus in the world today. I was in um, my second pastorate, and we were seeing phenomenal things happen for the Lord. I mean, we were seeing people almost every Sunday saved, which we give credit and honor to Jesus for that. And I mean, the state convention office, they were calling us, what are y'all doing down there? And I said, well, I'm not doing anything. I can certainly tell you that. I said, the Lord's shown up and the Lord is moving. But here's what was really happening. God was moving in the heart of his people. That's what was really happening. And, And the message of the gospel was taking hold in Sunday morning worship services. And they were taking the message of the gospel to the streets. But the Lord had something interesting for me. Because I had always served in a small church, predominantly in rural Mississippi. And so part of my seminary degree required me to go to inner city New Orleans and actually serve for 10 to 12 hours in an inner city capacity. So I asked them this. I said, can I just pick and choose where I want to go? And they said, sure. Of this list, you can pick and choose anything that you would like to do. And so I began at the very top thinking, what would be so cool to do in inner city New Orleans? And would you believe it? Every one of them that I picked, all the slots were filled. And I thought, now, Lord, come on. You called me to get this seminary degree, I know. This is part of the seminary experience. So, you know, open a door for me. Well, you know, there was one place that I had not called, and I just felt the nudge of the Spirit say, you hadn't called them all yet. And so I called. And it was a lawyer in downtown New Orleans, one of the best friends I've ever had since this experience. And I said, Jack, I said, I'm looking for a place to serve for two Saturdays in a row. Can you open a door for me? He said, I don't have to open a door for you. I have a door open for you. But he said, you're going to have to work. And I said, I don't mind working. Hard work never killed anybody. But I said, I just need an opportunity. He said, well, meet me at the seminary this coming Saturday morning at 6 o'clock. And he said, I promise you, your life is going to be changed for the sake of the gospel. 
I said, well, praise God, bring it on. I got to the seminary, and we drove into what, is, what was called at that time, prior to Katrina, the Florida Boulevard Housing Project. Some of you are nodding. My life was about to be changed. It needed to be changed because I had lived in a sheltered culture in rural Mississippi most of all my life. And so as I drove up that day with Jack, this is what he did. He had a big water pitcher sitting over here, and he said, the only thing that you have to do today is guard the water. Now, can I just be honest with you, church family? I was insulted. I was. We might as well be honest, right? I was insulted. Now, why were you insulted, Philip? Great question. I was insulted because I thought I was going to get to do something significant that day, and all I was tasked to do was guard the water. They played for about two hours, and it didn't take long for me to figure out guarding the water was important. Because when they gave the first break, here come every kid on the playground straight at me. You know what they wanted? Water. <laughs> How hard is it to give water to children? Huh? Y'all have had VBS? Now you're with me. And so I'm, I'm trying to delegate out water, and the kids are cooperating, and everybody's having a good time, and I'm thinking in my heart, Lord, where is this life-changing experience for me? And all of a sudden, I see out of the corner of my eye a small child standing over here at the back of the line. And as he got closer to the front... My heart melted for that child. Because this is what he said to me, Kevin. Mister, is there enough of cold water left in that container for me to have a drink? Because we don't have cold water in our house. My heart crushed. I said, son, there's enough water in this barrel for you to have all the water that you want or need. I want you to realize something, church family, today, that in the Bible text that we're looking at today, there'd been some really neat things happen, hadn't there? I mean, stop and think about it. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, had been born, lived a sinless life, amen? Had gone to a cross and give his life as a substitution for our sin even today, right? And he had told the disciples, he said, when I go away, I'm going to send a comforter. And he's going to guide you and he's going to direct you and he's going to empower you into everything that you need to do to carry out the mission of God on earth. And they had even received the Spirit of God according to Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost. But had it all settled in yet? Well, when you pick up in Acts chapter 3, we begin to sort of see some things unpacked for us. Because notice what happened in verse number 1. It says, now Peter and John, they were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. 
and a man. A man who had been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order to beg alms of those who were entering the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive alms. But Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and said, Look at us. Look at us. Now capture that for just a moment, at least from the perspective of Peter and John. Would you do that with me? Because here's these individuals. Peter particularly has preached an eloquent, powerful message on Pentecost. And 3,000 people had come to Christ. What a moment. What an experience. But as he goes to the temple, the normal routine of the day, the, the, the text tells us that it's the ninth hour of the day. It's the time for all good Jews to go up and pray. And they're going up here now, and they're going to be sincerely praying before God. And this individual does not haphazardly be at the beautiful gate at this particular hour. No, according to the text, he's been going, and he's been outside the beautiful gate. How long? From his mother's womb. A man who had been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along, sorry, whom they used to set down every day, every day he's at that gate. Stop and think how many people would have walked by this individual every day? But as he walks by this particular day, who's here? Peter, yes. John, yes. But more importantly, God through Peter and John. You see, folks, I want us to begin to think in a little different way when we leave today. I want us to think from the perspective that we need to see people as opportunities for ministry. You with me? I mean, every person that God puts before you today, every person that God puts before you this week is an opportunity for you to do ministry for that person in the name of Jesus Christ. And notice what the text says to us here. He says, when Peter and John were going along, and this man normally would have been begging and asking, Peter just looked at him and fixed his gaze on him, and he said, look at us. Why would he say, look at us? He tells them to look at us because they have something different to offer this lame man. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to draw to our attention that we have something different to offer people in the world today. Amen? We have Jesus Christ to offer people within a world today. We have the life-transforming gospel 
to offer them, whether we're in Sunday school, whether we're doing evangelism intentionally, whether we're at a Wednesday night, whether we're in a small group, whether, rather, well, whether we're in a, an upward basketball setting, no matter where we are, no matter what the opportunity is, we have as believers who have experienced Jesus Christ and the life transformational power of the gospel, we have an opportunity to offer them Christ. When I go back the second week, I was relieved of water duty. This is what I was given, something similar to this. You know, this can be quite a conversation piece. If you don't believe me, you should have been here when I walked in this morning. <laughs> I walk in with a blue plastic bat, and everybody's wondering, what in the world? My wife even asked me, why are you getting the bat off of the back porch? I said, it's going to be a sermon illustration. How are you going to use a bat as a sermon illustration? I said, just watch. So all I was given was a bat. And Jack said, be creative with the bat. I said, well, by any chance, do you have a ball? Might help. We do have a wiffle ball, a plastic ball. Don't get ahead of my sermon illustration. So I have them all to choose teams. Of course, in the name of Jesus. And we start letting them bat the ball. The little bitty ones would step up and actually we rolled it on the ground to them because they might not hit it in the air. And hey, remember, with Jesus, everybody is a winner. Amen? We rolled the ball up and they'd hit it. And man, they would take off running. One of them even missed first base, went plumb in the outfield. When they threw him out, he said, you're out. Said, no, 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 no. He didn't know any better. Let him stand on first base. But I'll never forget pretty good sized young man stepped up there and had that bat and he was swinging it around I thought it's not his first time with a bat so we didn't roll it to him we didn't pitch it underhanded to him we sort of tried to you know throw a curveball or two at him to see if he could really hit it man he hit that thing first pitch and it went flying out over all the infield and it curved now follow this it curved and landed between two houses See, none of you are relieved. I was the one that originated this game. I was relieved when it landed between two houses because I was just thinking, Lord, don't let that plastic ball hit a window and break it right now. And every kid was digging it up, trying to get out there and get that ball, and they ran up to where these two houses were, and they just stopped. They froze. I'm like, dude, just pick the ball up. The one who hit the ball, he didn't slow down. I mean, he ran all the bases, ran home, was jumping up and down. Yes! They stood out there, it seemed like, forever. I know it was only about five minutes. But no one would go in between the houses. So I go out there and I go, hey, why don't I get the ball? And so when I start between the houses, they start, two of the little children started crying. No, mister, no, mister, don't step between those two houses. How hard could it be? Right? How hard could it be? 
And so as I'm waiting on them to tell me why I can't step between, here comes another pretty good-sized boy. Get this, ladies and gentlemen. He is packing a 9-millimeter Beretta on his side. I asked him, I said, son, how old are you? He said, 13. 13. Some of you may be wondering, is this true? This is a true story. I'm living it out right there. And I said, well, let me go get the ball. He said, no. He said, mister, I'll go get the ball. And so as he walks in, he gets the ball, and I see him look, look at the ground, and he shakes his head. He picks the ball up. He brings it back to me, hands me the ball. All the kids scatter, go back onto the field. Well, Curious George here has to know, why can't I go in and get the ball? So I catch the 13-year-old, and I said, what's wrong? He said, come on over here with me. So we walk between the two houses. I'm escorted by a 13-year-old with a 9-millimeter Beretta loaded to the guild. And he says, do you see that red spot right there? Yes, I do. He said, that's where my 21-year-old brother was shot to death at 3 a.m. this morning. They don't want to see you shot, mister. They see you as an individual trying to offer them some kind of hope. Can I say, ladies and gentlemen, to us this morning that while we're not in inner city New Orleans, we are in Pineville, Louisiana. Amen? We do have crime within our city as much as we love our city, right? But you know what helps crime? The gospel. Because the gospel changes people's lives. It changes the influence that they have. And you see, when you begin to look at people as an opportunity for ministry, things begin to change. Now you say, well, what in the world do I use? Well, secondly, just use the resources that you have available to make that difference. Now go back to the text and notice what he said. He told him in verse 4, look at us, and he began to give them his attention, verse 5, expecting to receive something from them. And how did Peter respond to this? Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, But what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. Catch the imperative of command. Walk. Now that must have been a startling word. Because this guy has been at the beautiful gate every day of his life. And what's he been doing? Begging for alms. Begging for money. And so Peter and John, they stop all of a sudden. They give him attention. And so what is he expecting from Peter and John? He's expecting them to give him silver or gold or something of value, right? Peter gives him something better than silver and gold. 
Because what Peter tells him, silver and gold, we don't have any. But what I do have, I give to you. In other words, Peter and John are utilizing the resources that they have before them. And they look, and in the name of Jesus Christ, they look at this lame man, and they said, walk. Walk. What a command. Walk. What a statement of faith. Now this guy has to truly believe and he's got to respond in faith, right? Walk. I teach evangelism. I teach missions. And this is what I always hear people say. I love Jesus with all my heart and I know him as my Lord and Savior. Amen, church family. But this is what I also hear a lot of people say. I just don't know how to share Jesus with somebody. I like what one scholar said when he was trying to define evangelism. He said evangelism is nothing more than one beggar telling another beggar where he found some bread at. Now think about that. You know how you came to faith in Christ, right? You probably even remember the place where you came to faith in Christ, right? All you got to do to share your faith is simply tell someone else how you came to Christ and what a difference Christ has made in your life. He's not asking you to use something that you don't have. He's simply asking you to do so. Use what you do have. Jack looks at me on that second evening, and he says, go call them in for lunch. I thought, well, how hard could this be? We got peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, and kids have been running. They've been playing ball. They've been doing all kinds of things. When I holler, lunch is on the table, everybody will come running. Can you believe when I called lunch, everybody came running except one group, a group of girls. I found that to be odd. They were in a circle, choir, big circle, right out in the middle of the quad, big circle. And they were making chattering noises. Oh, what in the world are they doing? So I walk over there, as nice as I know how to say, okay, lunch is ready. You know what one of the older ones said? Beat it. Now, I'll be honest, church family, I really wanted to get in the flesh right then. It would have been easy. But instead of getting in the flesh, my heart broke once more. Because you know what they were doing in the circle? They were gambling. They were rolling the dice. And the older people were actually confiscating the money of the little ones and the little ones was going in and taking whatever money mama would give them or whatever money they could find that mama had hid up somewhere and they were bringing it out here just trying to be a part of the circle and so I go back to these kids again with a broken heart and I say come on now you know we've got lunch for you we're going to ask the blessing and as soon as we ask the blessing we're all going to have a good time and one of the other older girls looked at me and said we told you once beat it boy 
Oh, the flesh now really wants to kick in. But I go and I tell my friend Jack, I said, Jack, I can't get them to come. He said, what are they doing? I said, well, they're acting sort of worldly out there. He said, really? He said, isn't that how worldly people should act? It's sort of worldly? He said, you've got to persuade them, brother. You've got to persuade them in Jesus' name. So I go back out there one more time. All the way out there, I'm thinking, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I ask again, <laughs> as kind and as humbly as I knew how, and all I was told for the third time was, we're not going to tell you again to beat it. But you know, it was amazing when Jack walked out there. Jack said one word. And every girl in that circle broke and run. You know what he said to them, choir? Walk! That's all he said to them. Walk! When he said walk, everybody jumped up out of the circle and they start running for the lunch line. I get back to Jack and I said, what's the difference in my begging and pleading and you're telling them in a commanding voice to walk? He said, I've spent time with them. They didn't know you. What am I saying? Church family, we spend time with people every day. Every day. And you see, if we see those people as opportunities for ministry and we really begin to use the, the gifts and the talents and the resources that God has given us, we're given in return influence into the lives of these individuals. And what God is wanting you to do, what God is wanting me to do is to use our influence for the cause of Christ and to make a difference for Jesus while we can. So how are we going to make this difference for Jesus? We're going to see people as ministry opportunities, right? You with me? We're going to use the resources that we have, right? Number three. And we're going to seize the moment when the Holy Spirit opens that door. Go back and look in your text very quickly. Notice what happens. Verse 6 ends with a, a strong imperative of command to walk. And notice what they said. And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up. Immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. With a leap, he stood upright and he began to walk. He entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they were taking note of him as being the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Did you catch it? I mean, here, oh, Peter and John are. They're at the temple with a lame man, Brother Kevin. A guy who's been here every day that everybody's walked by, that everybody has seen in this condition, that everybody has heard him begging for money. And Peter took time to issue a word from God for that man's life. 
And he didn't just issue a word. He extended the right hand. And he helped him to stand to his feet. And as he's standing up now, catch this lame man. He's excited. What's he doing according to the text? He's leaping. He stood upright. He began to walk. And I love the next phrase. And then he went in the temple. Josh, I bet that was a moment. He walks in the temple, and what does, the, what does he begin to do in the temple? I mean, in the temple with him, he's walking, he's leaping, and he's what? Praising God. If you've ever studied much about first century Judaism, when they walked into the temple, let me tell you what they weren't doing. They weren't leaping. You with me? They weren't leaping. They weren't doing much walking, not like the context of this kind of walking. And they would not have been very verbal in their expression of praising God either. This guy institutes a whole new meaning of worship that day. Why? All because one person seized the moment to share Christ and to stand at the aid of an individual. Church, I just want you to think with me for a moment. How many people do you know? I love asking this question as a preacher across the state. How many of you know somebody? Raise your hand. Well, thank you. Praise God. You need to go with me sometime because some of the churches I go into and I ask that question. Everybody just sits there and leaves their hand down. I'm like, people, you don't know anybody? We all know somebody, right? Hopefully we know our neighbors down the street or across the road. Hopefully we interact with people that we come into contact with. I mean, stop and think about this one for crying out loud. How many times do you go to Walmart in the course of a week? Anybody? Have you ever been in Walmart alone? You never will be either. <laughs> There's always people in Walmart. I'm convinced they're in there at 11 o'clock at night. And I'm not talking about the people who work there either. Why are these people in these places? Why are we there at that particular time rather than another time? I submit that we're there to see these people as opportunities for ministry. To be able to share Christ with them and to display Christ before them. And to seize the moment that God gives unto us. You know, I, I went back to my little church in South Mississippi. After those two wonderful weeks of working in inner city New Orleans. <laughs> and this is the question that I ask them. How many want to go to New Orleans with me next weekend? 
choir, how many do you think volunteered that day? Not many. Really, I wasn't expecting many either. Because my little church was horrified about thinking of leaving rural Mississippi and going to an inner city New Orleans area and doing ministry. But I'll never forget, Kevin, as long as I live, in the silence of that morning, of probably 60 people at most, one voice, one voice in the back of the church said, Pastor, I want to go. I want to go. I wish you could have seen her when she went. When she saw those kids, big old tears just began to well up in her eyes. I said, Shirley, you okay? She said, yeah, I'm just thinking about how can I love on all of those kids at one time for Jesus. And I said, well, let's go in her. Let's go and meet some of them. And after two weeks of investing in people, hey, believe it or not, you'll get to know some of their names. And I was introducing her, introducing her to the various kids that I knew and all of a sudden out of the housing project catch this one now moms began to come out <laughs> they're coming out of every house I'm looking at Jack I'm leaning over to the side I'm thinking what are they doing he said they're coming out of the house I said I know they're coming out of the house but they've never came out of the house before why are they coming out now and he looked at me and he said, Philip, how long have you pastored? And I told him how long. He said, I thought you would have recognized it. Brother, this is God at work. This is just God at work. Seize this moment, brother, and enjoy it. Because one lady from our church went, Brother Kevin... A total outsider came into this little small community. This woman who had never been married, who had no children, loved children enough, these mothers saw that in her. And all of a sudden, moms who've never come out are coming out into the quad. And we're able to do ministry at a whole new level. Oh, church, truly, as Jesus said, the fields are white. But let's not forget the other part of that. But the laborers are few. Father, today, to the best of my ability, I've shared the message, Lord, that you called me here today to share. Lord, today, as Brother Thomas Worsham comes, Lord, we just ask you this morning to search deep within our hearts 
and through your Holy Spirit, help us to be reminded of how we really see people that you put before us every day. Lord, so many times we see people as an interruption rather than an opportunity. So, Lord, we ask you this morning to visit with us during this time of invitation, changing our heart, changing our perspective about how we see people. Father, I pray that during this invitation time that you would also help us to see all the resources that we have as believers in Christ rather than all of the resources that we don't have. You're not calling us to use what we don't have. You're calling us to use what we do have. And so, Father, help remind us of that this morning. Father, I'm always mindful in any church service where we are to recognize that, Lord, there might be one under the sound of our voice today that does not know Christ and the free pardon of sin. But maybe through the songs that have been sang, Maybe as they've heard me talk through the sermon about how Jesus was born and lived a sinless life and went to a cross and there he lay his life down just for them, was buried and gloriously resurrected from the dead. That maybe today they're wondering, is there hope for them? And Lord, help them to hear us say, there is hope always in Christ. And so, Father, just speak to their heart this morning in that decision time that they're facing. And Father, help them to choose Christ. The greatest gift, the greatest blessing that they would ever choose. Now, Father, direct us. Direct us in our decision-making, in our expression of worship through this decision-making time. And we're going to praise you and thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen.